Hello and welcome to the St Mark's MK podcast. We are a small community in Milton Keynes, growing in faith as disciples of Jesus, while showing love and sharing hope to all our neighbours. Thank you for joining our village. We hope this conversation about building a life of peace and meaning helps you. It will make much more sense if you use these episodes as conversation starters with others and see where the grace of God leads you. Have you ever noticed that um, attention? Hold on, I need to finish this. That attention and getting um, uh, getting someone's attention. Send. Okay, the getting someone's attention can sometimes be difficult. Maybe you've been sat on the same sofa or across the table from somebody and you wanted to say something important. In fact, you did say something important, but they were texting or scrolling and they didn't hear it, even though they were right there. You didn't have their attention. Or maybe at the other end of the spectrum, you remember being two years old and on a beach somewhere and you couldn't tell anybody from anybody else because all you could see was legs and that's what's at your eye level height and there's the noise of the gulls and the ocean and the ice cream sellers and people playing and you realise you're nowhere near your mum and so you scream out, Mum! And your mum has like this incredible radar that can just pick out your voice from all the other hundreds and thousands that are going on and come rescue you. Attention is vital. In his book, The Common Rule, Justin Whitmore Early says this, Attention is our most precious commodity. Our life is defined by what we pay attention to. This means our life is defined by which of the many cries for attention we heed. There's this story of Jesus walking down the road one day, except when Jesus walks down the road one day, it's not like when you or I walk down the road. It's kind of like a a high profile political figure being kind of bundled from their car into a building without anybody being able to get anywhere near them. It's maybe like the head of a protest march, maybe you've been on or you've seen on TV. There's jostling and bustling. Jesus is surrounded as he walks down this street by at least 12 of his mates and they are, we know, highly protective of him and they feel a a duty of care towards him and his attention and his energy and his resources and his time. He's got those 12 guys around him. He's got some other friends with him. He's got, in this instance, a a high-ranking member of society with him who's come to ask for some help and he's probably got their servants and their entourage as well. They've probably got some kind of other onlookers and people that just want to reach out and see this celeb Jesus walking down the street. In fact, there's one guy called Luke, he's a doctor and he writes about it a little while later. He writes that he was being overcrowded and in danger of being crushed. There's that many people. And as Jesus is trying to get through this crowd, this jostling crowd, uh, and he's being bumped as he walks down this street and the street isn't like a nice tarmac smooth one it might be dust or it might be earth it may be Roman era cobblestones who knows but either way it's not smooth he's being bumped and jostled from all sides and this one lady manages to reach out through the crowd get a hand through enough people push past and just touch the hem of his cloak as it flowed, as it flowed behind him if you've heard this story before and ever wondered why she did that, well, she did that because the same guy, Luke, a doctor, tells us he's, she'd been ill for over a decade and she'd been struggling. She'd tried all kinds of lotions and potions. She'd gone to every doctor she could get access to and nothing had worked. And something had triggered this memory in her that, that she knew that a prophet one time had said that 
the Messiah, the God-man. You'd be able to recognize him because there'd be healing in his wings. Your wings are the tassels, the bits of the robe right at the very end, the hem of your garment. And so she thought, if I could just touch the tassels, the robe, the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. So that's why she does that. As she does that, Jesus stops in the middle. And like, you know, people just like, boom, 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 back into him. And they're like, whoa, what are you doing? Why are you stopping? It's like, somebody, somebody just touched me. Somebody, I need to give some attention to somebody. His disciples are like, come on, are you serious? A million people just touched you. I'm getting bumped and, and barged and prodded from all angles here. Jesus, we've got to head down. We've got to go, go, go. And Jesus stops and notices and pauses. He gives attention. Later on in the story, he's going to heal the woman. But the first thing that he gives her is attention in the middle of all the madness jesus notices the important how does he do that how does he live a life which is continually bombarded by urgent requests from other people by emergency cries for help from other people where he has whole towns and villages come and knock on the door of the place he's staying and ask for help how does he in the middle of that life when he's making headlines and he's having arguments with leaders in towns and cities how does he in that life have the inner ability to remain calm when under pressure the inner ability to remain peaceful when under attack the inner ability to have patience with and for people well dr luke writes a couple of pages before this story, sandwiched in between other stories of remarkable incidences of massive crowds and urgent requests for help. Sandwiched in there is just this little line where he says, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. We might phrase it like this. Jesus withdrew to a place of solitude and was able to turn off the external noise, to escape the external noise for a while, and listen, and be still, and be quiet, and hear. In effect, he was giving his attention, this most precious commodity, he was giving it to God. Justin Whitmill early writes this story about how he realized that every day when he woke up, the first thing that he gifted his attention to was his phone. Uh, and before he gave attention to himself, and before he got showered and dressed and had breakfast, before he gifted any attention to his children, he would gift his attention to his phone. And he would read some emails that had come in overnight, he would look at some news headlines, and he would scan through all his social media feeds. And he writes about, if you like, waking up to this process and wondering whether this was a good use, a profitable use, a, a formational use of his attention. He asks this question, which I think is a great question. He asks it of himself, but I wonder if it's a great question to ask about ourselves. He says, is it a pundit or a prophet that calibrates my morning identity? What a great question. He says the first voices I was giving attention to were pundits, whether they're on the news or on social media. 
He says if we pay attention to pundits straight away, then often what happens is we have rising levels of self-righteousness because we either agree with the pundits that we like or we are able to dismiss and have rising levels of anger towards pundits that we disagree with. We create echo, chamber, echo chambers of self-righteousness and self-agreement. He said if it's a prophet who calibrates our identity first, That prophet usually requires my attention to be given elsewhere. That prophet requires me to be humble. That prophet normally calls me to repentance, which then leads me to intercede on behalf of others and to maybe work for justice. Is my identity being formed by pundits or by prophets? John Mark Homer, in his book, Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, that we've quoted lots in this conversation, He says it's important to understand that silence and solitude is not the same as isolation. And and he wrote that before lockdown or any of this happened, but it's important to notice that in this moment. Isolation, he says, is dangerous and it's escape. Isolation is what you do when you want to you want to find a dark corner to go off and avoid the gaze of other people. Isolation is that's what happens when you're the weakest gazelle in the pack. You're the one who's isolated and you're going to get picked off by the lion. Stillness and silence and solitude, he says, it's not that, it's safety and it's engagement. It's a place where you find home. It's a place where you begin to hear the voice of the master so that you become attuned to that voice so that one day when there's all these urgent cries for help, when there's all kinds of craziness happening around you, you're able to notice the important and give attention to the good. It's safety and it's engagement and it's good. So how do we do it? Here's a couple of really practical things that will help you. Uh, First is find a place. Make a place which is gonna become a habit to you, a safe space, a holy place. It might be a field nearby where you live that you can just go and walk through. Maybe there's a, a tree that you can see out of a particular window and if you place a chair there, it just widens your expanse a little bit. Maybe. I don't know, maybe you live near somewhere or you've got a spot in your garden where you can say, that's a place. If, if that's not possible, then find a, a chair in your house which works for you. Find a space which you know you can retreat to and which you won't be interrupted. If you need to kind of get even more practical, maybe you've just got a kitchen table and later on in the day it's going to have work all over it and your laptop set up, but now it's just got a candle and you transform that place and you make that place different for a moment. Find a place. Second thing is make it a priority. There's this wisdom and I rail against it, but the wisdom is this, that if you do it first thing in the morning, that it's high up on your agenda, that it's the big stone that you place first into your day, then there's a very good chance it will happen. If, as I often do, you think I'll do it later in the day, later on, I'll get to spend some time listening to Jesus. Well, that later on never happens. There's always this other priorities that get thrown in on top and this voice inside me that says, well, I've got this far throughout the day. I don't need it. I'll do it tomorrow. And it just gets squeezed and squeezed and squeezed. Do it first thing. Big stones in first. And there's a chance that you might succeed. Third thing is, and I don't know if this is wisdom of the ages or just experience of mine, is if I sit down and try and scan the horizons of all there is of the divine and I try and say, God, in all of your mysterious wisdom, speak to me, help me to hear it. Well, I mean, that's just too big. Have a purpose, have a priority, have a starting point, have a focus. That might be a verse 
from the Bible. It might be a passage from scripture that you read. It might be a photo that is troubling you or that speaks to you or that evokes something in you. It might be a statue or a model or an artifact. It might be a meditation. It might be a smell. It might be a problem that you have in your life. It might be a person that you want to start with. Sit down with that purpose and say, God, I bring this to you and I ask that you would speak to me first about this and I'll follow my mind and your voice wherever it goes from here. But I start here. For me, I find that makes it more possible. Finally, don't panic. You're not going to get this right first time. In fact, it might not feel like you get it right for a while. This is what I promise will happen. You'll sit down fully desiring to hear the voice of Jesus. And the first time you try it, hoping that it'll be a radical life transformating experience, you'll sit down and you'll have this moment. And what will happen is either somebody will interrupt you physically or on the phone, or you'll suddenly remember something that you forgot to do or that the the presentation you need to get done or thing you need to write on the shopping list that you forgot about, or I didn't take the chicken out of the freezer last night. All this stuff will come flying into your head. That's okay. Some people just have a little notepad next to them or an app on their phone and they just write those things down. Say, okay, I'm going to get them out of my head so I don't need to think about them. They're out of my head. Now, refocus, recenter, start listening again. And probably the first time you do it, it will be quite an underwhelming experience. But the second time you do it, the third time you do it, the fourth time you do it, you begin to notice the peace levels rise and the anxiety levels drop. You begin to notice it's easier to hear the voice of Jesus. If you find yourself ever wishing that you could hear the voice of Jesus and every time you listen you can't hear anything that he's saying, well, maybe it's because I don't know the voice of Jesus that well. I'm not familiar with it that well. I need to get time, spend time familiarizing myself. So don't panic. If it doesn't go great first time, don't panic. Valuable stuff never does. It's a trellis that we're building so that life and a deeply formed life of peace and meaning can grow on it. Here's my encouragement to you. Go for it. Give it a try. Share it with the people that you're sharing life with. How did it go? Find any other top tips that they've got. Be still and know that he is God. Thanks for listening. Keep the conversation going with friends and join us anytime. Have a look at stmarksmk.com to see what our village is getting up to. You're so welcome to join us. Until next time, be blessed by the giver of peace.